It's Monday, Spags. I would prefer to forget yesterday's main slate, but this is a forward-thinking show. What do we have on tap today? Well, we got a lot to talk about today, Pete, so good news. We got to catch up on all of Week 15, all the important fantasy and betting items that occurred. We also got to talk about two NFL DFS slates, a Monday slate, a Tuesday slate, and we might even tack on a little underdog playoff best ball draft. Oh, and of course, Pete, I've Casey forgotten. We got to welcome some people to the family, too, so let's hit that intro. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend and mine, Mr. 10K himself, Peter Overzet. How are you doing, Pete? How are you feeling after that big milestone of yours? Yeah, uh, it was cool. It was cool to see that, to uh, to get there yesterday on the stream. So, yeah, thank you uh, to everyone, all, all the people that I make shows with, Spags, you grinding away with me three days a week over here on Splash Play, all my Club Top Shot guys, everyone who uh, hops on uh, to my channel. It's greatly appreciated, and, uh, yeah, a fun a fun milestone to hit. Yeah, I know. I'm excited for Pete here. I'm excited for all of you guys. I know, uh, Pete, I'm sure you've heard through the industry, those first 10K, it's all smooth sledding after that. And you just build and build on top of it. And that actually is true on Instagram, where they make it much easier to get found by people after you get 10K followers. So I got to presume we're on the March 200K now. Yeah, uh, I don't know about that. You sound a little bit more bullish about my trajectory than I am. Um, it's funny. I do the, uh, the Instagram, I've been doing Instagram lives with Barry on Thursdays. And so I'll have, and I don't use my Instagram account for like any fantasy or anything like that, but I'll get like 50 followers after every show. And I'm like, they're going to be so disappointed. I'm not like the counselor, just like answering start sick questions in my stories all day. Yeah, that is the hard thing to balance where like even splash play, like I'll promote it sometimes on my personal Instagram, but I don't like, I don't post anything even from my regular life day to day on there. Besides occasionally when my beer fridge looks pretty, I'll go like, Oh cool. Here's a nice little Instagram story. But I feel like that's the one thing that you and I don't do the best is the crossover. Like we just, we just have to be endlessly shilling now instead of just putting out our beautiful brains into these shows every single day. I know. I mean, at, for a while, my excuse was, you know, 95% of my Instagram followers were my friends and family, uh, and they didn't care. And now it's actually probably like a 50-50 ratio uh, with fantasy people. So I guess I should get better at that. Well, good reason to go follow at Yoverzet. At y- Yoverzet? <laughs> is that what we're going to say your brand is on Instagram? So the the reason it's that name is, do you remember the app? It came out. It probably had to have been oh, like... Yeah, 2010 yeah. or 2011 in the app literally was just you'd send a friend a little voice thing that said, yo. Um, and so I created my Instagram account a weekend with friends when that app had just came out. And so it was literally me just following my friends we were hanging out with and we were sending our the yo's all weekend. Very, very fun, smart, mature, <laughs> you know, social activity. And so I thought it was hilarious to name my Instagram Yoverzet and I, I've never changed it. Well, that's good. You know, you know how to commit to a brand that's going to really rise to the <laughs> to the moon, like everything else out there. And yo, 
I don't even know if Yo evolved into anything else. I think that was just its moment in the sun, and the founders were probably had no clue how to monetize it. But uh, that's the name of the social media game. Either way, though, got to get the plugs in. Make sure you go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Uh, for slates like this Monday 2-gamer, the Tuesday 2-gamer, I do think DVOA is really one edge that's out there that people know about, but honestly enough, people don't know the defense versus receiver stats. It can be really important to make some decisions for yourself relative to ownership on a slate. So go footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. It's 99 cents a week. We'll get you all the DVOA numbers as well as those defense versus receivers numbers that I really do think add value. I'm speaking as Chris Spaggs, the human being, not Chris Spaggs, the, the shill for anything that will give us a dollar, a shekel or two our way. Go check it out, footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. And of course, make sure you are subscribed to Peach channel as well as the Splash Play channel and hit the like button on anything you're watching Splash Play related or really any creators out there that you do enjoy because it does help us all out a bunch fighting that YouTube algorithm. So please hit the like button if you can. But Pete, crazy week, week 15 as we would have guessed going in. Sunday night football, I feel like, was a place we got to start first. Tom Brady throws for no touchdowns, one interception, 214 yards and a 9-0 loss. Chris Godwin now out the rest of the regular season has a sprained MCL. Mike Evans and Leonard Fournette leave that game early, though does look like they're going to be okay. On the New Orleans side, Marquez Callaway goes 6 for 112 on nine targets for New Orleans. Question I'll ask you, and sometimes you just have to do this in football, you just want to throw this game out at this point. It was a really ugly one, especially for a Sunday night football, the Capra on a kind of ugly weekend of news moving around. And I'm willing to give Tom Brady the flyer here. Question I have is just maybe the Bucks kind of roll it up for the rest of the year and just play it safe, given losing Godwin is a major loss if he can't get back for the playoffs. Yeah, and literally, as you said that, 50 seconds ago, Schefter tweeted, he is done for the year. Gosh. It is uh, a torn ACL, so uh, brutal. It sounded like initially, maybe they thought he could be back for playoffs. Um, that really hurts. Luckily, I will say they are pretty deep at wide receiver. They get Antonio Brown coming back. Also, Tyler Johnson, who has a very similar skill set and profile to Chris Godwin, has looked good. So I don't think this is like a, a death blow to their Super Bowl run chances. It's it's just obviously not ideal. You're going to see a lot more Antonio Brown, a lot more Gronk, a lot more Mike Evans on the stretch. Is the, yeah, that's a bummer news item to get during the show. And I really think to me too, I we talked about the prop bet for Tom Brady to lead the league in passing yards and how I thought that was one, taking Mahomes might be the move. He was plus 3,000, now plus 1,000 to do that. I think continue to take Mahomes, who's playing for a bye, who's starting to run hot. I wouldn't surprise me if the Bucks started to maybe uh, shut down Brady down the last week or two, or at least limit his snaps, just because what's it worth to risk it at this point? But I think that's an ugly spot. And for you, Pete, on the Saints, did anything stand out? It's just kind of an ugly win, or a very ugly win, really, relative to a national TV game. But did they give you any more faith than anyone on the Saints side? Well, I, I was watching that game much closer than I pretty much ever watch uh, a Sunday night football game because I, I had a nice little showdown second place finish. Our friend Brick75 actually edged me out for the first place. Uh, but yeah, I was actually sweating that game like uh, in a way that I normally am not privileged to do. Uh, so I love like I was in one of those things, you know, a showdown, right, where you basically just need nothing to happen when you're at the top of the leaderboard. You're like, I don't want this guy. I, okay, Gronk can't do a catch. The Saints can't get a sack. And half my guys were gone. Like I had Fournette at captain and he was already ruled out. So I'm just like, hold, hold, hold. So watching these guys go three and out, punt three and out, I was just like, go off Kings, go off. So I personally enjoyed that game. But yes, it, it does seem like the Saints just have Tom Brady's number. Uh, it's kind of been like that the past 
couple years. And yeah, but I, I think you kind of just shrug this off uh, as the Bucks, just a random letdown spot for them. I think they're going to be fine. They lost a lot of guys throughout the game to injury, so they were all kind of discombobulated. And the Saints have shown um, that they can put pressure on quarterbacks and kind of play these gross, you know, slog fests of a game. So yeah, I, I'm not reading into it too much. Yeah, we'll see if there's any Bucks news as the week goes on. Still three more weeks of the season left in case you've forgotten that. So maybe they play one more game, then maybe they realize the buy is out of reach and don't go there. Um, clearly, that's going to be an important part of the conversation. Other late game, but not quite as late as that one. Uh, Tyler Huntley and Mark Andrews both scoring over 35 fantasy points. Andrews goes for 10 catches, 136 yards, two touchdowns, 215 passing yards, and those same two touchdowns for Tyler Huntley along with 73 rushing yards, two rushing TDs. As Huntley you know, loses this game here, 31-30, Pete, but I feel like you got to feel good about Tyler Huntley. I'm going to assume that Lamar Jackson is going to make it back, but it's not a QB controversy in Baltimore, but Huntley does seem to bring something to these games, at least as a passer. And it might be just, you know, small sample size stuff as well, but I've really been into Huntley so far and I really wish I'd gotten more of him on yesterday's slate. Yeah, he's super, he's super fun. And also, you know, you see people having the, the awful takes where it's like, is it a QB controversy or Lamar, you know, isn't as good as Huntley, which can't the takeaway just be, it's really, really valuable to have an, an above average backup quarterback, especially when you have a quarterback like Lamar, who's known to take off and run more, you know, liable for injury. So to me, uh, if I'm the Ravens, I want to continue to kind of cultivate Huntley, you know, whatever, I don't know what his contract situation is, but lock him down because it's a really nice insurance policy to know you have a quarterback that plays a similar style that can just come in and run your offense. He also seems to have an incredible rapport with Mark Andrews. He absolutely loves throwing to Mark Andrews, who's now had back-to-back um, monster games. So yeah, it was fun to watch him. I, I talked about it on my GPP show. I ended up actually getting off of him because I had him in a lineup with Devontae Adams and I was behind and I was like, I don't want to eat this Devontae mm. Adams chalk. So I kind of blew it up, but obviously wish I would have kept Huntley in there because he was great. Yeah, Huntley looking good, and Adams a down game for him. MVS, the only Green Bay outlier performance, 6 for 98 and a touchdown on 7 targets. And Green Bay is one of those teams, Pete, that I think a solid GPP team, but one where you do get those weeks where just everybody's production is kind of carved up. Is there anybody, I think it's just Devontae Adams really, but is there anybody else on the Packers that you could trust moving forward? I know you're big on A.J. Dillon. He's still in that timeshare with Aaron Jones. It's like all these other guys besides Adams, even with Adams having the down day. He's still the only one I would trust down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, MVS in certain spots has been useful. I know Corain and his walkthrough at NBC Sports Edge, you know, wrote up about how the Ravens were particularly susceptible to the deep ball. So when you can kind of get those stars to align for MVS in good matchups, I think he's there. And yeah, I'm I'm still I'm still excited about AJ Dillon. Um, I know he's kind of in a timeshare. He does in general look um like the back that more lines up with kind of what the Packers want to do. Um, but yeah, it, it's a little tough for fantasy, but I think there's also going to be a lot of opportunity for, and we'll talk a little bit about playoff contests and stuff. I, I think I still do lean toward the AJ Dillon direction of how I'd want to play this backfield, you know, over a three to four week span. Yeah, I think it's a reasonable way to look at it. And speaking of interesting backfields, the guy on the thumbnail today, Duke Johnson, gets Miami's first 100 rushing yard day of the year, picks up a surprise start, ends up with 22 rushes for 170, uh, excuse me, 107 yards, not 170, but 107, still very impressive, along with two touchdowns, also has one catch for 20 yards, 31-24 Miami win. And I need to say, Pete, Michael Carter really shit the bed for me, a guy that I, I have not gotten to all year long. Obviously, he's been out the last month. He ends up getting eight carries for 18 yards, one catch for two yards, 
yards. And Jalen Waddle's off, also off the COVID list now for Miami, so he should be back next week. But Duke Johnson, a feel-good story, maybe, Pete, taking a start here over Miles Gaskin, who missed most of the week uh, thanks to the COVID protocols. But I feel like it's just a one-and-done for Duke. I can't imagine he's going to be the bell cow back moving forward. Maybe he does get a little bit of a share of the Dolphins moving forward. But I just feel like this is just a nice story for Duke and probably not much more. Yeah, on the Michael Carter stuff, I was frustrated too because I got a little more confident in playing him once I saw Ty Johnson was out mm-hmm. and kind of knowing that he was going to have all of that, you know, receiving work to himself. The problem was the Jets were up for the first three quarters. And so they were just using Tevin Coleman, who they prefer as their early down rusher, and they weren't, you know, checking down to Michael Carter in catch up mode. So that kind of stunk. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of this Duke Johnson stuff. Uh, it's wild, wild, because we have seen at other points in the season Gaskin coming in and out, whether with injuries or COVID or whatever. And they instill him or install him right back as the bell cow back. So to see him available and then Duke Johnson to get 22 carries, it's uh, it's frustrating for Gaskin owners and people who played him yesterday. But it is a cool story for Duke Johnson. He's been one of those kind of perpetual, you know, almost similar to Cordell Patterson, where it's like the fantasy community has wanted him to be a thing for so long. He always had the talent. He had a really nice profile coming out of the university of Miami. Um, I think that was like, what, 2000, was it 15 when he came out? Um, and had just been eternity. (laughs) Yeah. It's been forever. And he's just flamed out everywhere. Never gotten a true, um, full workload. And I'm actually curious, is this the most carries he's ever received in an NFL game? It has to be. Oh, let's see. Actually, let me go in the NFL uh, rewind here and see if I can pull that up. But you are right. He actually was drafted in 2015. And I remember, too, like his stints, you know, when he was on the Texans and they were out of running backs and he started to get that full workload and he wasn't quite good enough, even though he was amazing on a per carry level. I would have to think it might not be a touch high for him, but it's probably a carries high just because they have every team he's gone to tries to use him as the gadget guy over and over again. And let's see, this fantasy crunch is running a little too slow for me to get there quickly. Um, on the Michael Carter point, though, I just need to point out, and I did tweet this, so I don't want to re- recycle everything that I put out on my rare one tweet per week. But I do think Michael Carter losing touchdowns to Braxton Berrios and losing a rushing touchdown to Zach Wilson. Like, I get it. I get Telvin Coleman might have gotten it anyway, but still just hurt me so much to see Michael Carter. And it, he's so good when I don't play him. And I do play him, and it's fucking Braxton Berrios running it in from the one-yard line. That hurt me deeply. Yeah, I was reviewing some lineups uh, this morning. I saw a few people were on uh, Braxton Berrios there, so uh, they, they they read the tea leaves. But yeah, the Michael Carter, he came in at like 28% in the spot that I played him. Um, then you didn't get the game script, and yeah, I'm I'm upset about the Michael Carter play all around. So it looks like Duke Johnson's previous high was 16 carries, and that was <laughs> last year in that uh, that weird Texans malaise. So he, I'm sure he might have gotten there touch-wise. Even that might be close. Um, it's, it is at least a rushing high and probably a touch high for Duke Johnson. Well-deserved, I guess. It, really coming back to Miami. All these Miami guys coming back. Uh, I know Cristobal also in the, as the head coach coming back to Miami. I just feel like there's something in the juice about getting the chance to be back at South Beach after languishing in Cleveland and Houston. Yeah, that had to have been fun with him. And I mean, yesterday was just, again, an example. I think Craig Reynolds led the league in in rushing yards yesterday, who literally people who play fantasy, um, you know, year round didn't know who Craig Reynolds was. And now he led the NFL in, in yardage last week. So it's just the NFL is drunk right now. Running backs don't matter. And I'm ready for this season to be done. <laughs>
Yes, the crown prince of Cootstown is that was one Craig Reynolds, and maybe he'll make an appearance in the Welcome to the Family segment. I don't want to ruin it, Pete. I don't know if he was one of your guys up for consideration, but uh, Craig Reynolds is on my tentative short list. Another guy that broke out this week, and yeah, it might be Ronald Jones time, according to Bruce Arians, as Nick is pointing out in the chat. Uh, another guy, chalk play this week, who actually did pay off. Gabriel Davis, five catches, 85 yards on seven targets, two touchdowns for him as cheap chalk as the, as the Bills win 31-14 over Carolina. I thought the more interesting note might have been Devin Singletary, 22 carries for 86 yards and a TD. Did not get the 100 yards and a touchdown I was hoping for, but he did get the declaration afterwards that they're comfortable with him being their bell cow back moving forward, which is why I thought he'd be a good ride or die pick, and I guess I got a little too close to the moon while shooting for my Devin Singletary picks. But Pete, this Bills offense, desperate for anybody to kind of step up down the stretch as they've been losing their foothold on a playoff spot. You got to be encouraged by Gabriel Davis as long as you continue to see Emmanuel Sanders be on the sidelines and and Singletary too. Like Zach Moss, I don't know if that was a healthy scratch or what. I didn't look too closely on the tea leaves amidst everything else going on yesterday, but that kind of workload for Singletary snap highs as well this week and last week. I feel like things were looking kind of taking shape for Buffalo, even if you don't maybe fully trust them after what they've done the last month or so. Yeah, that that was interesting yesterday. It feels like they're playing almost a little bit more conservative than they used to. And I think that was even evidenced by Devin Singletary. I mean, Devin Singletary got, I think it was 22 carries yesterday. Yep. So they're just playing like a little bit different of an offense uh, right now, but it's still nice. You see, they have the ceiling, you know, Josh Allen uh, connecting with Gabriel Davis twice digs once uh quiet game for Beasley. I still think from a fantasy standpoint, they have, you know, the upside, but I do think, um, it's pretty clear now that Diggs isn't going to kind of return to the kind of volume levels that he had last year. And this offense just kind of spreads it around more. So yeah, they're going to be an interesting team. They needed that win bad. They now play the Patriots, uh, this week, a rematch of that Monday night football, you know, wind tunnel game. I saw the over under is set at 44 points. So Vegas, not expecting a high scoring game there, but, uh, I still think they have a, a pretty high ceiling in the playoffs. Yeah, the Bills currently the seventh seed in the playoffs, according to FPI. They have an 83% chance of making the playoffs right now. Um, so definitely going to hang on by a thread to their playoff spot. And also the Ravens now uh, technically in, in the hunt team. They're not currently holding a playoff spot. Other news around the league, and this is one that does not have many playoff ramifications, but Brandon Cooks is seven catches for 102 yards, two touchdowns on 10 targets. Texans win 30-16 over Jacksonville. So no post-Urban Meyer boost, as some people might have speculated out there. Same game, James Robinson, 18 rushes for 75 yards and a TD three catches for 13 yards on six targets for Robinson as well. And the Jacksonville receivers, Pete, your precious viscous gets seven targets. Laquan Treadwell gets nine targets or Laquan as his friends call him nine targets for him. I feel like this game was just kind of two shitty teams just doing what they do. But I do think Brandon cooks could be maybe a best ball winner down the stretch. And I say that as somebody that's out of every single best ball playoff option out there, but I did like Brandon cooks a lot coming into the year, Pete. So it's nice to see him pay off when it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, he, he was not on my radar, uh, yesterday at all. Um, he, it, he was getting projected for a decent amount of ownership and there's just other plays that I like more that ended up being far, far, uh, worse plays. But yeah, I mean, that was the thesis way back when, right. When we were drafting best ball teams and, uh, you know, Brandon cooks was always sitting there in the eighth, ninth round. I was like, well, you know, he's a good wide receiver and the volume is going to be here. Who's going to be, you know, a competitor for targets. It's been, uh, a rocky road as far as consistency. Uh, but, you know, he's still the same player. And uh, Davis Mills looked pretty decent yesterday. 
Davis Mills might be another guy who has some value down the home stretch. And uh, for DFS, certainly throwing it a lot, uh, 30 attempts again for him in that spot. And he does have some receivers that could do something here for a Texas team that is playing for literally nothing. Speaking of playing for nothing, the Lions, I mean, keeping with the theme of Gabriel Davis, a man who I bashed on this show that we did with Arif Hassan, and he really rallied to having a great year. The Lions, uh, Jared Goff gets the comp to Kendall Roy on Friday's show, Pete, and he responds (laughs) by destroying the Cardinals 30-12, to three touchdown day from Jared Kendall Roy. Goff uh, with eight catches and 90 yards and a touchdown going to Monroe St. Brown. Josh Reynolds, six catches for 68 yards and a TD. Weirdly, an identical 11.3 yards per catch from both Reynolds and Amon Ross St. Brown. And then Craig Reynolds, who we talked about, 112 rushing yards, 22 carries in that spot. Christian Kirk, the only usable card on their side, nine catches for 97 yards and a TD on 12 targets. I don't know what to make of this one, Pete. I like the Lions. Like, I think they're intriguing. I was tweeting with a uh, Slapnik prospect who's one of our, our splash play regulars has always given us a like on social media, which I appreciate, but also a Detroit fan. And I feel like the Lions, like, maybe interesting down the stretch DFS-wise because Jared Goff continues to throw like crazy. I just don't think they had this big of a win over the Cardinals, even at home in them. And I another game maybe we just throw out. Is this the guy that, get, that hooks you up with weed? No, he's not the guy that hooks me up with weed. Wow. Still trying to sniff this one out. You did engage uh, with the person on social media this weekend, though, for whatever that's worth. What? You did. I don't, I don't engage with anyone on social oh, media. You, you were <laughs> engaging hard. You were liking tweets, and making kissy faces, probably. Probably probably not making kissy faces. Good God. What is this going on? I mean, uh, is Jack Settlement giving you weed? <laughs> I, I wish. I better be better weed. <laughs> <laughs> now you're throwing your weed dealer underneath the bus. No, I'm no, like scrolling through my mentions and now trying to figure this out. Um, uh, what were you talking about? The lions, the lions, the lions destroying the Cardinals like that. Do you throw this game out or does it have offer some indoctrination of Arizona? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's similar to the bucks thing where I still think they're a pretty well-balanced team that can make a, a big playoff run. I'm inclined to kind of just, throw it out. Um, or I don't know. I, I, I don't think that Hopkins at the level he's been playing is really meaningfully affects or changes kind of their prospects. So I'm not willing to be like, Oh, Hopkins is out again. So, you know, they can't succeed. Um, they did get chase Edmonds back. You would have thought that would have been a help for the offense. I don't know. I, I, what, what are the film guys saying? Like we're about that performance. Was there any fatal flaw or was it just like a letdown spot for them? I think it was, I mean, I haven't seen any hard takes about it. I did watch enough of the game to see like Chase Edmonds was running pretty hard. I thought looked like the better back out of him and James Conner in that game. But I think it's one where, you know, last week we saw them not beat the Rams. And I think that was one that I know there were a lot of reports out there. I think uh, what's Peter Schrager was talking about on Bill Simmons podcast because he's like Sean McVay's boy. And I guess there's some bad blood with McVay and, and Kingsbury from when um, McVay tried to bring Kingsbury onto the coaching staff at some point. And then Kingsbury said no. And then they were like pals. And I guess it's become less pal-like over over time because they're basically both competing for that boy genius mantle. I think it's a bad sign for the cards. Honestly, like I think the cards are going to make the playoffs, but I, for me, I would be inclined and we don't know if they're going to play yet. I'd be inclined to bet against the cards. I just feel like they're kind of losing steam as they go, which it's probably been the case the last few years though. Last year, at least you could say it's injury this year. It's just like, they think they're better than they are is kind of the sense I have. And they go into Detroit. I think they're going to an easy win. And then Detroit is, you know, to Dan Campbell's credit, playing their asses off, playing as hard as they can for a team that is playing for literally nothing besides the one seed, and they're playing themselves out of that, whereas the Cardinals, I think, have some sort of, like, crown us kind of attitude, and I just don't think it's going to work for them in an NFC that's, like, so tough top to bottom. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I, I kind of agree with Tom's take, too, just about, 
you know, no legit number one team this year. There's there's pretty much flaws in in basically all of these top teams. So um, it does feel more wide open than ever. It's what's going to make these playoff contests so fun too, because there's so many viable routes you can take. I mean, I feel like you could make a case for nine, ten different Super Bowl combos of of different AFC and NFC teams this year. I would also say for the Lions, because there isn't any, it isn't a great QB class coming up and the Lions are going to have, you know, a top five, top three pick probably. I think there's a decent chance, Pete, that we do see Jared Goff come back as a starter one more time. And they, and the fans talked themselves into Goff being like a play because he's honestly not having a bad home stretch here, despite whatever jokes we may make about him being Kendall Roy. Like I think the Lions fans, and I hope they get joy out of it because they were so lacking in joy with that team overall. But I feel like they could talk themselves into being like, yeah, maybe next year Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay and Minnesota Kirk cousins is something and like i think they could talk themselves into being an nfc north contender and i want that for them even though there's no chance they actually will be yeah i uh i can i can see that yeah it's it's hard to envision them as a as a true contender but they're 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 fun to watch at times and another notes around the league, and you can tell me if any of these stand out to you, but Pittsburgh beating Tennessee 19-13. Julio goes out again with a hamstring issue, and no one on Pittsburgh breaks 10 fantasy points besides Ben Roethlisberger's 11.9 fantasy points, which is not good for a QB. Jeff Wilson, George Kittle, Debo, all solid in a 31-point win, 31 point win for San Francisco over Atlanta, 31-13. Dallas beats the Giants 21-6. Anything else stand out for you? Just felt like a lot of shitty games with like a handful of decent performances that we've pretty much already covered. Yeah, uh, I didn't have a lot else that uh, stood out to me. Um, there were a lot of lopsided games. I don't. I don't think we learned a lot in, mm. <laughs> in week fifteen. It was kind of one of those weeks. I'm I'm ready to be done with. We learned a little more about COVID protocols that did not result in Baker Mayfield and also Colt McCoy testing out of their, their or Case Keenum rather, testing out of their. I always mix up Case Keenum and Colt McCoy. That's going to happen every day for the rest of my life. Um, not testing out of the protocols. Will be Nick Mullins starting tonight for Cleveland. I'm sure we'll talk more about that. And Pete, right before the show, Austin Eckler also added to the COVID list, which doesn't mean as much as it did even last week because he could test his way back onto the field. But um, I guess the Nick Mullins part we'll talk about, but Austin Eckler on the COVID list. Does that do anything for you? right now on a Monday? Um, I guess the only thing would be if I was still kicking around in the semifinals of my fantasy leagues, I would kind of ratchet up my priority for Justin Jackson. Um, I think he would be very, very interesting, obviously going against the Texans. Um, I know when I was doing the first look review show this week, um, the Chargers have one of the higher uh, implied team totals on the slate as well. So it's an interesting spot uh, if Eckler's out for for whatever running back you could pick up there. Yeah, I agree. I think the Justin Jackson move is the one. And and people, I think it was Silas, maybe asking about your uh, redacted teams yet, Pete. Do you have any ways to talk around this that won't get you in any FBI trouble? No, we're, we're transitioning out of uh, getting in trouble about, uh, you know, best ball thing. Uh, it, it looked like a funeral in some of the channels yesterday. I know I had a lot of teams that were Tampa Bay and Arizona Cardinal heavy, and it's just like those guys are not going to get it through. Right now, it looks like I have three teams that are going to advance to the semifinals in best ball mania, so three out of 150 uh, making it to the semifinals. So, um yeah, it's a bummer. I have another one on the bubble that needs uh, that needs Browns players that aren't playing today. I, I needed Jarvis Landry or Austin Hooper to get a couple more points, uh, and that is clearly not happening today. 
Now, these are the kind of things you can't prep for no matter you, you did more best ball drafts than anybody I know in the off season. And I feel like you can't account for every single player getting ruled out down the stretch. And uh, Jonathan asking a question here that might be relevant. Would you start DPJ over Van Jefferson in a PPR league? We are not going to do a bunch of either ors here, Pete, but uh, people's Jones with no other receivers. I feel like a pretty solid play today though. Van Jefferson's also been pretty good. So you can talk me in either way. Um, yeah, I think I'm a little worried about just kind of the risk of, you know, just the Browns imploding here uh, or just going super, super run heavy that I'd rather kind of hitch my wagon to Stafford. And I mean, what is it? I want to say it's Van Jefferson and Odell have both each scored a touchdown in their last three games. So um, I, I, I think uh, Van Jefferson is is the guy for me. Van Jefferson, I think he's been there every week as a solid play. I think, you know, to me, it's a ceiling floor question. Like Van Jefferson's always had a solid floor. I think the ceiling is probably a little bit higher uh, for people's Jones and no other receivers. And Nick Mullins, a guy who does sling it around. So I think it's a question of what you need more from your scoring. If you're, if it's a hail Mary, I'd go people's Jones. Um, and he's saying he chose, told his friend to pick Van Jefferson. So there you go. But Pete here, how do you want to do this? You want to do welcome to the family. Now I feel like we don't have the waiver wire to fall back on. So maybe let's do welcome to the family. And then our, our Monday and Tuesday slates. And then we can close it out with the playoff best ball. All right, let's do it. Welcome to the family, CD. Chepale, what balls on this guy, Amaro? Shit, he's going to take an eternal dirt nap any one of these days. Get out of here with this shit. Lauren, the Ferrari, back in my garage. Welcome to the family. going to welcome you to the family. Get in here. Get in here. Oh, you cut it off too early. I didn't even get to do Yo. my wave. I thought. Yo, dude, my bad, my bad. It was like frozen on my screen. I don't know what's going on over here. Oh, man, oh, you got a lasso in your meatballs because it's time to welcome some people to the family where Splash Play gets their crack at Italian culture as we get to welcome some of the finest folks out there. Me and, and PD10K is over here. Are you are you eating pasta? Did, did Lauren make pasta? Was that the special lunch? Hey, hey, no, this has nothing to do with me being behind on my meal or anything like this. This is all about... You know, giving truth to the character. We all, as Italians, we love eating. We love welcoming people, the family. Love a nice chicken salad right here. It's very true to who I am. It kind of looked like a chicken fettuccine when you read it. I was like, oh, Pete's having a nice Italian dish to really get in the character. But instead, you're just doing the Italian trope of us always chewing while we talk, which is, in fact, pretty much in line with an Italian character. Yeah, you know, I mean, when my wife was telling me she was making lunch and asked if I wanted anything, I thought it might be a little look and a gift horse in the mouth to ask for an Italian meal. So I just got to take what I could get, which is a honey mustard chicken salad. My Lord, as Italian as it gets, honey mustard straight from Tuscany. That's what we look for when we're putting our salads together. But it's time to welcome some folks to the family. And I'm going to start with a guy we talked about a little bit up top, but I think he's got to get the official indoctrination, maybe licking him through the helmet. But though Pete's the one who's going to decide that. But Craig Reynolds, 26 carries, 112 yards, one catch, five yards. The Lions beat the Cardinals 30 12, largely on his back. Not old Kendall Roy Goff over there. Get that guy out of here. And I will say, the ball's on Greg Reynolds to come in, filling from a guy who's been in the NFL for a long time now, Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift, all the hype on him. And Pete, he's looking better than all of them. So he gets the big meatball today. The right lasso him up. He's Greg Reynolds. Hey, hey, look, I'll allow you to do this, but 
going to kind of get in full around here, right around the table. Not a lot of room for Mr. Reynolds. I think you got to kick Josh Reynolds out, okay? There's no, only room no, no, for no. one. We're rocking Reynolds, Pete. We're rocking. No, 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 no. There's, this town's only big for one Reynolds. You can't just be loving every single Lions player named Reynolds. Make a hard choice, brother. What about Burt Reynolds? Is he rest in peace? Of course, I uh, up, up there with the spicy sauce in the sky. But I went <laughs> the spicy sauce in the sky. That's where Burt Reynolds is. But I feel like this Reynolds a great name, and uh, the more the merrier in our family. Mm. But allow the Reynolds could stay. All this right. is honestly your best Italian impression yet. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got a, had a breadstick just stuck in the old uh, the meat. to get the heartburn All down right. is what I <laughs> All right, I need to do it. I need to welcome this dude, Duke Johnson, to the families, okay? I mean, this poor guy's been outside knocking on the door, little tiny Tim walking around with a limp, just wanting someone to welcome him to the family. Come on in, 22 carries. You finally did an emotional reunion down in Miami. Hope you take a long walk on the beach today. Chuck out some of those beautiful, bodacious asses there on Miami Beach. Sorry, I don't know where that came from, but Duke Johnson... Welcome to the family. No, you make a great point about Miami Beach. They do wear really skimpy attire there. It's not a stereotype. You walk down and there's little stripper attire stores on South Beach. You'll go in to be like a classy restaurant. And then around the corner, there's a fishnet high heels. <laughs> the, both of them combined together. So I agree with you. South Beach, a lovely place. And, and also Duke Johnson, a man that always wears a gaudy gold chain, which I think speaks to our Italian heritage. The thing I love about Duke Johnson, too, he sounds like someone that might be playing a little bit of music at a club we go into. Hey, Duke Johnson's playing tonight, and we saddle up. We have some Peronis, the ladies sitting on our laps, just taking in the sounds. Yeah, Duke Johnson, one of those guys who turns a blind eye to our illegal activities in the back room. And speaking of, a guy who also is going to turn a blind eye, who Pete, I bet, might have gone under your radar in week 15. This guy's got to get welcomed to the family based on name alone, Giovanni Ricci. Now, he got oh. no rushes for no yards yesterday, no catches for no yards on one targets for Carolina as they got stomped by the Bills. But that name, Pete, Giovanni Ricci, the best name since Ben DiNucci to come into the NFL motto. Dude, I'm so glad you said this. I've been so excited and emotional about this. I mean, to have the Italian stallion, the pride of our culture is perhaps stepping up into an increased workload these days. It brings a tear to my eye. I know Nana is going to be incredibly excited about this development. And Jonathan, I'm sorry, dude. I don't know if, if um, you're kind of distracted about what's going on here, but we're trying to welcome people to the family. We're trying to eat lunch. We're trying to talk about the asses in Miami. Like, I can't be talking about Michael Carter's future prospects next week. I mean, come on, bro. He's not even Italian like Giovanni Ricci, the star of the Western Michigan Broncos for apparently five seasons because uh, he's, that's the kind of player he was, wanted to spend more time around college, a real lunch pail type of guy. But I got to be honest, I, didn't, I know more about Giovanni Ribisi, the actor, than I do about Giovanni Ricci, but I would just go through the, the box scores and like, Giovanni Ricci, who's this guy? I got to now tout him up like he's my own personal Patrick Laird. Hey, hey, look, let's do a quick segment of some of our favorite Italian NFL players of both today and yesteryear Who, who's up on your mount rushmore of italian nfl athletes uh jim brown famous italian <laughs> wow dude how about vince lombardi they literally oh. named the trophy out of him i can't player, believe oh he's a coach he's wearing a hat like this 
Joe Montana. I mean, the dude literally named after an Italian state. Oh, okay. You know what, Pete? Maybe you're thinking boy into the historicals. I'm living in the now, and guys like Michael Guest saying people may not know Giovanni's Cristino Ricci's half brother. That's true. Vinny Testaverde, Caleb is saying in chat. Look, there's a lot of proud Italians here, but now all of our hopes are singly, singularly tied to one Giovanni Ricci. I'm just kind of surprised that you don't have ItaliansRUs.com bookmarked so you could rattle off names like Nick Aducci, Joe Andrzejewski, Al Baisi, Steve Bono, Tono Bicelli's, Tommy Casanova's, Pete Delonzo's, Bob DeMarco's offensive lineman, 1961 to 1975, Lou Gambino, running back, 1948 to 1949, Lou Little, Shout out Lou Little, offensive lineman, 1920 to 21, short-lived career. 2009, Vinny Peretta. Vinny Peretta, short-lived. How could I forget? How could you forget? And never, never forget Ray Ventroni. He's a defensive back, 2005 to present. I guarantee he is not in this league, and this site hasn't been updated for years. As I'm looking at the Wikipedia page of list of Italian Americans in sports, and it does seem a lot of them are dead or were played in the 50s. Danny Amendola, though, another one out there who escaped oh, my Danny mind. Amendola. They're doing a lot of great work out there, Pete. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they sure are. Angel Air Pasta and Meatballs. What does it look like? Honestly, we could have done given away a guest spot based upon who could guess the best Italian player in NFL history, but uh, I guess we didn't think ahead enough, as we do sometimes on this little show of ours. Gino Torretta's quarterback, 93 to 97. <laughs> from, Tony from, Teresa. I mean, this is there's a oh, don't forget about the coach, Tony Sperano's dude. Oh, Tony Sperano, of course. I think a guy who actually uh, had a legal issue because of being uh, good, tied to some things that were less than ideal. Hey, hey, we're going to forgive that. We're going to turn a blind eye because, boy, could that guy play. I think he also, did he pass away? Yeah, he passed away in 2018. Rest in peace, Tony Sperano. Pete, anybody else you want to add to the family here? Now, big tones up there with the, in the meat sauce in the sky. No, I just would like to say uh, Ralph Guglielmi, uh quarterback, 55 to 63. Rest in peace, one of my heroes. <laughs> that Michael really coming in clutch here. Teddy Bruschetta for the past. I think Lyle Alzado was Latino, but I, I understand that you can mix those two things up. He could have also been Italiano. I really don't know offhand. Hey, hey, PayPal says cannelloni with white sauce is the most underrated down there. Change my mind. I ain't not going to change your mind. I you know I don't know if you guys have heard this little Italian dish. I call it a pizza. It's a bread with the cheese and a sauce on it. And mm, if you got that once, you never forget. Sounds good, brother. Um, I think this has been welcome to the family. Welcome to the family, CD. Chevale, what balls on this guy, Amaro? Shit, he's gonna take an eternal dirt nap any one of these days. Get out of here with this shit. Lauren the Ferrari, back in my garage. Welcome to the family. We're gonna welcome you to the family. Get in here, get in here. Okay, I got to do the wave on the outro. So that's <laughs> the funny thing is, uh, I t- mentioned to Pete before we did the show, I had to do a professional meeting for uh, for our friends over at Edge Sports Champion Gaming, the people that employ me and that pay Pete to do Splash Play. And they were like, "Yeah, we got we got to syndicate Splash Play. We got to do <laughs> cool. What a what a fucking show to follow that up meeting with." What do you mean? Hang on, would they want to syndicate Splash Play? What? Like selling the rights to Splash Play to other providers and trying to get it to other things. <laughs> 
pay up. Pay up. You want this show? It's going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah, clearly the value of the show speaks for itself week after week. But we appreciate all of you hanging out with us and putting up with our antics. So please hit that like button if you're watching live. And, of course, give us five stars and review an Apple podcast. It helps us out a bunch. But, Pete, we got we got a Monday slate, a Monday two-gamer, a Tuesday two-gamer. Do you feel emotionally ready to dig into some more multi-game NFL slates when normally we just get to breeze through with a showdown? Um. Yeah, I'm I'm personally uh I'm going to be playing all of these as showdown slates. I'm not messing Ooh. around with the two game slates. Uh those don't interest me quite as much. Uh <laughs> mainly because I'm just not as good as at them. Uh I seem to suck at short slates and have better luck with showdown. So that's that's what I'm personally prioritizing. So that that shows a difference with us where I'm personally planning on doing both two game slates and then also doing the NBA tonight which is going to another covid filled fucking dumpster fire. Uh but we'll talk about the games here and Pete can give the showdown perspective. I'll give the two game slate perspective. We're going to meet in the middle as we sometimes do on this show and let's start it off Pete. We got a game that we talked about on Friday but it's back in our lives with more information. Las Vegas 21.8 implied points cleveland 18.8 implied points no baker uh no mccoy in this or no keenum i fucked it up again uh, no keenum in this game you do get nick mullins at qb and you get no jarvis landry no austin hooper no kareem hunt what do you go to in this game pete for the raiders or the browns yeah so first of all i'm tilting big time because underdog had a bad lineup for Derek carr passing yards that i was uh, poking around to find another pick to string it together. They had it at 260 uh, in most places, had it around 250. They dropped it to 240 uh, before mm -hmm. I could get the under on 260. So I'm tilting that. Um, as far as from a showdown perspective, it looks like Hunter Renfro uh, might go under the radar uh, a little bit here from a captain perspective. I'm seeing around like 12% ownership projection for him and the Sims uh, have him showing up there 25% of the time. So Hunter Renfro looks pretty good to me as a captain. And then for the flex, Harrison Bryant looks pretty good to me. I'm seeing around 10% ownership and he's appearing in our Sims 30% uh, of the time. So my flag plants, Hunter Renfro, captain Harrison Bryant flex. I love the Hunter Renfro play. I will say the same thing as it was for me last time with the Raiders, which didn't end up working out, but Hunter Renfro does tend to gain the most from Darren Waller being out. Josh Jacobs, I think, still in play very much as Cleveland should hopefully be uh, able to keep this game in pocket or the Raiders should be able to keep Cleveland in pocket for the most part. But I think the guy that I might be most intrigued by if I were to do a showdown lineup would be Donovan Peoples-Jones. And I guess, is your official rider die pick Hunter Renfro showdown captain? Yeah. All right, so... I will, you know what? I will say that I'm going to take Hunter Renfro then because we can do this now because we're playing different slates. I will take Hunter Renfro makes the winning lineup in the two-game slate today for Monday on DraftKings. Wow. So we're, we're, our bets are correlated. I thought you like to leverage my picks. I would like to, Pete, but at this point, I need to get points where I can get them. And I think Hunter Renfro, it's hard for me to imagine him not making it into the winning lineup. I do think for a showdown, if I were to leverage against you, I'd probably go Donovan Peoples-Jones' way or maybe David Njoku's way for a pretty cheap showdown captain. But I think in this particular two-game slate, um, there aren't a lot of options, Pete, that I would want to go to. And I feel like How about this, Spags? Yeah. I'll let you have a three-pointer if Donovan Peoples-Jones is in the winning flex spot. For the for a showdown? Yeah. Okay. Because uh, normally we go captain 10 pointer, so I'll give you a three point 
flex is you just need to get on the board. You need a moral victory. <laughs> I, I do need, I need a moral victory in the ride or die picks that have, I don't even know how they went this week. I was too, honestly, I broke even with the main slate. So I feel like I shouldn't have even been that tilted. I was just really like emotionally drained from this slate because I had to update my fucking snap counts like 20 times and move the, it was, it was too much. So even a break even felt like it was way more work than it was actually worth. Not uh, who would have thought doing your own projections would be tiring and taxing, Chris. I, for NBA, it's honestly like it's tiring and taxing, but it's limited to like a one hour window of time. Whereas for NFL, it was just like four days of having to update things and go like, oh, never mind. That's not correct now. Um, less fun that way. The other Monday game, we got the Vikings, 26 implied points, Chicago, 19.5 implied points. If you were to take a ride or die pick for this one, Pete, whether it be a showdown captain or or whatever you want to do here, what would it be? Um. Well. Let me run the Sims and I'll tell you. <laughs> also, not um, a bad projection on Justin Fields today, which I just want to point out because that's rare. Yeah, he's he's been playing better. Um, have we gotten official news on Thielen? I know he was questionable, but he didn't practice at all last week. I'm seeing him as in on Osmo's projections, so I was actually just going to look it up more and, and figure out because this game is coming up in an hour and forty five minutes. <laughs> so we got it, or the, the slate rather, the two game slate is starting yeah. in an hour and forty five. I presume he's going to play, but I think that's uh, probably an unfair presumption to make. Yeah, it looks like both Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson are head and shoulder uh, mm -hmm. uh, look like the best captains, and it's probably a game script thing, right? Where if you expect the bears to kind of keep it close, maybe push the Vikings to throw more, you probably lean to Jefferson. If you think the Vikings run away with this, you probably turn to Dalvin cook. Uh, I'll, I'll say Justin Jefferson though, for my captain. I think that's a pretty good one. I would have him projected really well with Thielen. I'd have him projected well without Thielen. Um, man, it's harder to make a ride or die pick when it's not a showdown one. And the other person is making a showdown one. So I'll take Dalvin cook as a showdown winning captain. Okay. There you go. All right, Good we got leverage. two games on Tuesday, of course, as well. We got Seattle and the Los Angeles Rams going to this one. Seattle's got 19.5 implied points. The Rams, 26.5 implied points. Both games happening at the same time on Tuesday as well. Uh, Pete, what do you want out of this NFC West battle with the Seahawks, presumably with no Tyler Lockett, and the Rams with, uh, I guess, everybody back? Yeah, everyone back. I'm really curious to see what the backfield split looks like between Darrell Henderson and Sony Michelle. Uh, the kind of reports were that it was going to be a split backfield, but I don't know. Um, I'm curious to see. I think you could make cases uh, for Henderson getting his job back. You could make cases to Michelle holding onto it because he ran pretty well. Um, so yeah, interested in that. Uh, Cooper Cup. Uh, I just ran the Sims and it's one of those where you have to throw out Cooper cup. And then we make a gentleman's agreement to pick someone else because he just looks like the best captain by a long shot. So I'll, I'll say DK Metcalf captain. Also our boy Willis, of course, our accountant here on the show who also fills in on low ball. Whenever we're doing a chat one saying you crush ride or die picks. I'm looking it up now. Apparently you got four things, right? Three of them were 10 pointers. One was a three pointer. Tell me, I, I want to kind of bask in it. What did I get? Right. Jonathan Taylor, showdown winning captain, did worked out better on Saturday than my Ramondre Stevenson pick. Uh, you also had Craig Reynolds outscoring James Conner as a 10-pointer, which uh, in hindsight, I fucking knew at the time that was a bad 10-pointer, and it ended up paying off. Tyler Boyd, highest scoring pass catcher in the Bengals game, that ended up being correct by leveraging against you with Jamar Chase, did not work out. And then your three-pointer was Deonta Foreman outscoring Ben Roethlisberger, and I think you and I technically outscored Ben Roethlisberger this week. Yeah. Wow. I'm good at this game. I wish, <laughs> I, uh, I wish. Oh, go ahead. 
I did get one 10-pointer, though, Pete, and it's a good 10-pointer, one that I think should be worth 50. James Robinson, 2x LaVisca Chenault DK points, my one 10-pointer on the week. He probably barely got that, right? I mean, Visca yeah, had like nine points. Yeah, it was yeah. like, I think he had around 18, and LaVisca was a little bit under nine, so, yeah. James Robinson chalk, still finding ways to get to me. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, people tilting in the chat. Greg tilting in the chat about Drew Holiday. Tell me about it, Greg. I, I clocked out for the day on Saturday thinking, oh, my NBA lineups were looking real good. And then I got 95% of my lineups with a zero from Drew Holiday. So if you're an NFL fan, could be worse playing the NBA. That's that's exactly how it goes. Um, and Willis pointing out it was, in fact, a literal 2x for James Robinson over Visca, but that's the kind of accuracy you get on this show. Anyway, Rams, Rams, Seahawks. Pete, who is your showdown captain or whatever ride or die you want? Yeah, I think Cooper Cup's unfair, so that's why I said I'm taking Metcalf. Okay, so that was official. Okay, cool. I wasn't sure if you were just talking through that. Um, I will take, you know, I won't take Cooper Cup then as being unfair. I'll go with the showdown captain as well because I'm not going to be prepared for this two-game slate yet. And I will take Van Jefferson showdown winning captain. Wow. Didn't you just tell someone to play Donovan Peoples-Jones over him? Yeah, but, you know, he wasn't a real fan. <laughs> he was here for questions being answered. <laughs> He's gone now. He's gone over to the next stream. Yeah, he's just searching for live and like, who's going to take my question? Oh, I'm this. I, I like we we love the ride or die people. No pun intended. We love the guys who are with us every show. We can tell when you're just popping in for a question being answered. And I think that would be the case for that gentleman. The last game slate uh, on our four game non slate, Pete Washington, 18 implied points, Philadelphia, 24.5 implied points. Uh, the line on this one's 42 and a half edge sports, edjsports.com, where we run 100,000 simulations as it's a 47 point line, which actually these bets have been pretty good. The ones I've been pointing out on the show. So maybe maybe one thing worth tailing for real on the show. But Pete, Washington, Philadelphia, what do you want in this one? Yeah, I'll take Jalen Hurts uh, as the captain. A lot There's not like a lot of fun plays in this game. Um, not a lot of guys that can really separate from a quarterback with such a high floor ceiling. I guess uh, Antonio Gibson would probably be the guy who could kind of challenge, but I'll, I'll say Jalen Hurts. That's a, a reasonable showdown captain to go to, and honestly, the best one on the board by a wide margin. So I'll go back to the two-game slate for, for this one, and I will say that, uh, oh, boy, is it now? but Jalen Hurts still might not be in that. Um, I'll say Dallas Goddard makes the, the two-game slate winning lineup on Tuesday. I'll take it for you. Um, <laughs> I like this, this call from Michael here on this date, 218 years ago. This sounds like Spags writing a numbers don't lie prompt. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Louisiana purchase was completed. Give me Foster Moreau, born in New Orleans, as the optimal captain tonight. You think that it means a lot to Foster Moreau to be playing on this day? <laughs> I think it's probably very emotional for him. It honestly would be pretty funny if like Hunter Renfro completely bombs and all the production goes to Foster Moreau because of that reason. <laughs> It's true. It's true. I mean, we have to learn from history. Are we ready to do it? Do we want to do an underdog draft? We can get one in 10 minutes, right? Yeah, sure. All right. So let's do, we'll do an underdog playoff best ball draft. And of course we're going to be going through the playoffs here on splash play. We go all year long. Cause that's the kind of show we are making up content as we go in the off season, but underdog playoff best ball is a good way to use some money. If you want to get something that's maybe a little bit less chaotic though, honestly, uh, we'll see how non-chaotic it is, Pete, because I have not done one of these yet, but I'm intrigued by the the world of underdog playoff best ball. Yeah, it's fun. I uh, Last year, I got obsessed uh, with doing these. I haven't quite gotten the bug yet just because uh, I've still been in DFS mode, but I'm going to actually be doing a strategy show tomorrow afternoon with uh, John Boy Beats. He has a bunch of data from last year's contest, so I'm going to kind of go through that with him. Uh, but yeah, I, it, it is the season getting pretty close here, and 
for those people who are deep into the weeds right now, um, you can kind of take advantage of some ADP shifts by just being a little bit more bold on, you know, some of these teams that haven't locked up a playoff spot yet. And so their ADPs haven't necessarily caught up to it. That's interesting. Yeah, a little bit of a risk reward thing there. So hopefully that's a worthwhile thing and maybe some more coming from us on underdog in 2022. So keep your eyes peeled because obviously Pete's already been there, but splash play, we only dipped a toe in. So maybe we'll go, we'll put our whole nude bodies into the water with underdog. (laughs) Wow. I was wondering where you would go with that one. Uh, very nice. By the way, do you remember the last time that we talked about NBA best ball in here and some guy came in and fucking shit all over my my lineups? And admittedly, COVID has made it difficult, but I think my 7,624 in NBA best ball right now is the best score that anybody can provide. And I, I would stand by that. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, I would expect nothing less from you, Spags, other than, you know, settling scores on comments from, you know, months old. <laughs> from a <streets>. month ago. <laughs> I just I'm ready for NBA best ball to have a conclusion because I have no re with all the COVID stuff like it's going to fuck up everything in a major way. The good news is all these star players being out means like nobody's going to be accruing stats because I'm pretty sure they didn't draft a Theo Pinson and whatever other NBA assholes are going to be playing. But I don't know if you can track this stuff that closely, Pete, but the NBA is going to be the Wild West because they're literally signing replacement players to replace the guys that are on the COVID list now. So just guys that are in the G League guys that are just free agents kicking around are all of a sudden going to get like 40 minutes a game. Yeah, it's it sounds it sounds brutal. I saw I've seen some of the names and stuff out there and it it seems like it's uh it's really bad. It's it is. It, you know, it's fun to play. It's less fun when your guys get ruled out after lock that I will say I'll fully put my my pocket up behind saying that's not fun, but I I enjoy the NBA and and I think too if you build projections well or you trust some of the sources out there that are good and I will I tweeted over the weekend. I trust Osmo deeply. Uh just trust those those good sources for your NBA data. All right, where um, do you want to go here? Yeah, what do you want to do? Um, I would say just looking at the board, you know, Kelsey, Diggs, Evans, probably the best bets. I think Kelsey, the tight end thing, didn't work out in regular best ball, but I feel like it's a pretty good move for a playoff best ball. Yeah, and it was nice to just see him again on Thursday kind of flash that ceiling too. You know, there were starting to be rumblings of like, you know, has the age model hit Kelsey? You know, is he does he have that in him? So it was, it was good to see him have uh, that ceiling again. Wait, so tell people a little bit about, because honestly, and by people, I mean also me, tell us about the, uh, like the lineup construction here for the playoff best ball. Like how many slots is it? What, how does that work? Yeah. So it's, it's 10 rounds and the starting, uh, requirements and I can pull it up here, uh, for the contest is one, uh, QB, one running back, two wide receivers, one flex, and then you have a bench with five and, it's the your starting lineup over the course of the entire playoffs. So obviously the main goal that you're trying to accomplish is to have a really good starting lineup in the Super Bowl. But you also have to have enough points in the initial rounds to be able to advance out of your group. So you're kind of trying to thread the needle of having enough firepower early, but also being concentrated around two teams that would make the Super Bowl together. So after, you know, in this situation here, you could stack up, you know, Mahomes with Kelsey and probably be done yeah. with quarterback, or you could kind of go to the NFC and maybe grab, you know, a digs or, or sorry. Uh, I think we'll just grab Mahomes here because, uh, the clock is sticking. That was where my eye went first too. I feel like you could have talked me into Fournette, but yeah, I guess I'm a little spooked now with, this hamstring thing, Arian's already talking about Rojo this week. Yeah, I, 
I don't know. Hamstrings can linger. Um, and the whole thesis of the Lenny stuff is just like, he's the bell cow mm. back and he's healthy. And when you take that off the table, I don't know, it, it makes me a little more nervous. I think it's a reasonable way to look at it. I, I get the Fournette thing. Like if he comes back, it's a 50, 50 share. Like he might have a little more touchdown equity than Ronald Jones has, but I, I would agree that it's not probably not a sure thing by any stretch. Uh, let's see how are people going. Austin Eckler. Interesting. I don't, I would not have a lot of faith in Austin Eckler in this kind of format. Yeah, the Chargers, so I'm looking at 538's, you know, playoff odds. There's 75% chance to make the playoffs. Um, so they're still not locked up in the same way, you know, the Chiefs. The Packers have already uh, clinched the playoffs. Um, Cowboys, Bucks, Cardinals, Chiefs, all at 99%. We'll have to think here, though, about the direction we want to take this. We probably, with this build, go CEH here. Oh, interesting. Okay, I think that's... I mean, so that's the question I would have for you then are, would you lean more towards just stacking up one team and correlating that way in the hopes that like, you're just capturing whatever production they have as they continue to advance. That's, that's how I think about it. And be and ideally too. And I guess the, the one risk here is what are the chiefs shot chances at a buy right now? Are they because I mean, that's they're the one seed. Yeah. So we might end up in this build having to pick another quarterback late. Um, which isn't ideal. I don't want to use like mid round capital on, on a quarterback because we're playing this now as chiefs going to the super bowl. Yeah. I, which, which I think is a, a good bet to make. And I think we talked about it still being a good bet, even as they were in their, their downslide. Um, I'm intrigued by like the deep, like a Debo's gone, but I was yeah. like, he was a guy that I would have taken there too. I was just going to say the 49ers are interesting to me. Their playoff odds currently 80%. They kind of have the, the skill position players that can put up a ton of points. And also I think they just have the coaching and kind of the makeup to make a deep run. Um, the other team I really like though, for the NFC, uh, I mean, the Packers have literally already locked up the playoffs and they have some kind of cheap guys too. So, I mean, we could grab Aaron Jones here if we wanted. Is there anyone else jumping out to you? I mean, Derrick Henry, I think has to make it back, but I think that's a risk profile. I feel like Aaron Jones, I get your logic there. So I think that's me would be the pick. Yeah, the the only thing I'm a little hesitant is I'd I'd rather kind of like because what you want obviously is the studs on teams. And then if we use that on Tennessee, we're we're then kind of in a tough spot where we're if if the Chiefs end up playing the Titans kind of earlier on. Like I'd rather make my bigger investments in opposite conferences to start. Okay. I think I, I get where you're going with that. And I think that seems like it would be a logical approach as well. I guess the question I would have too would be, so for Aaron Jones, are you going to then take AJ Dillon too? Or is that something you would avoid here? Just in hopes to get exposure to a team that could advance beyond the Packers. The way that the, like the scoring and the flex works and the way that green Bay kind of uses both of their backs, I wouldn't have a problem having both of them because I think you could tell yourself a story where, you know, each of them have a couple spiked week games throughout the playoffs and you were able to use those. Yeah, I get that. Uh, AJ Dillon just goes there at the turn. Uh, okay, so that that one's that's off the table. That's so where you don't have to think about it. Uh, Schmohawk saying with Mahomes, you got to go in NFC QB. Willis is saying we should go Henderson. I, I mean, Henderson winning back the shares from Sonny Michelle seems like a decent pathway. And the Rams also a team that could get hot and, and make a real run. The only I have a I don't love using a ton of spots on. QB, um, I, I was going to toss out Kittle. 
um, if we wanted to make a bet on on the 49ers. And I think Ayuk mm-hmm. should still be available as well. I would go Kittle over Ayuk. Like, I think if we missed out on Debo, I think if Debo somehow doesn't perform as well, it's probably because Kittle's going nuts. Yeah, and I, I meant that we could still get Ayuk later um, mm-hmm. as a concentrated oh, bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Ooh. let's see here. Tight so we're now. Heavy. I know. The nice thing, though, about our tight ends, it's like, uh, all right, we are back up here. Um, I wouldn't mind uh, if we want to play kind of two NFC. Like, if we want to play this Chiefs as our AFC and then two NFC, like Odell Beckham or, you know, Christian Kirk, depending on whatever kind of side of Rams, Cardinals you'd rather be in. I was thinking Odell just because I feel like Cooper Cup failing means Odell probably did a little better than people expect. Yeah, I'm with that. And we might also be able to double up and get Van Jefferson. And then mm. uh, it looks like Stafford's already gone. Um, but I think we'll be able to find a good wildcard QB. I think Garoppolo to stack him up with Kittle might actually be a good, really cheap second QB we could take. Yeah, I, I like, look, I mean, Garoppolo didn't didn't make our cut of Italian people being referenced willy-nilly in that other segment, but uh, somebody in the chat mentioned him, and I agree, like, Garoppolo's been quietly very good all year. Not, not very good. Quietly good enough to make other people very good all year. Yeah, yeah, he has been, he's been efficient. He hasn't, he hasn't hurt them. He hasn't elevated them, but he hasn't hurt them either, which is which, about which is all Shanahan wants yeah. at this point. Uh, any, um, any teams here doing anything interesting that you're observing? Um, let's see here. So to me, I'm just all about like trying to see what the correlation is. So we see base Frank here. Um, I don't love base Frank taking Stafford with no Rams on a Packers heavy team. Hmm. Um, I'll have to review these other teams after we pick here. So I think we have lots of options. Um, Van Jefferson, MVS or Eli Mitchell. Um, I just so, realized so we have OKB three NFC no Dak, teams. Even though Dak's yeah. pretty live to make a good run. Yeah, no, because we don't, we don't, we want to now stay concentrated. I already feel a little gross having three different NFC teams. Um, so we need to start like concentrating around a couple of these. I would concentrate around the Niners, so I'd be okay with Eli Mitchell. Okay. Um, but also do... there too is pretty appealing. Yeah, yeah. Van or Eli, whichever you prefer. Let's do Van just because I think pass catchers are more valuable to us in this build right now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Eli Mitchell. I like the Niners as, as that dark horse NFC team. Like, I think they just keep they keep beating teams week after week where it's like, oh, yeah, it feels like this should be close. I mean, they just, it's not close or they win it. And I feel like Eli Mitchell being the guy who gets 30 carries in the game and, and gets saved up down the stretch to do that, I think wouldn't be surprising for me. Yeah. Uh, Mark says, who's going to take Godwin's place? I do think it'll be Tyler Johnson running a lot of his routes, but it's probably one of those things where the targets get spread between Antonio Brown, Gronk, you know, Johnson. I don't think it, I don't think Tyler Johnson's a one for one replacement, even if he kind of takes those over. Um, what about, what about adding MVS here? Another kind of like spiked week guy with our Packers. I think that's fair. So then my my thought on how to wrap this up, because we have two picks, would be obviously we want that other QB, which mm-hmm. I think Jimmy Garoppolo fits this. And then I think we probably want to add one more Kansas City Chief because we're so we haven't made any other bets 
on the AFC other than the Chiefs that I think we probably want to add. Probably take a Pringle. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that Pringle has a lower ADP than Hardman because Pringle's, you know, pretty, you know, definitively past Hardman. Yeah, I think Pringle is somebody that people just slept on, even though he's snap count wise been there time and time again in the playoffs. If you see them dedicate to, you know, shading more coverage over to Hill and, and to Kelsey, it's just going to be who's running more routes out there. And I think that's going to be Pringle, you know, barring some shift here. Um, chat talking about, uh, Perriman and I, I saw Casey joking about him earlier to me, uh, Perriman is more Evans. of the Evans replacement. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, agree. Um, I think, I think Antonio Brown takes like, I wouldn't say one-to-one cause I agree with your take that it's probably split amongst those guys, but I think Perriman, like he'll get a few more routes, but Antonio Brown stepping into just a straight Godwin role by the time he comes back. Like to me, that's the most likely outcome. The chat's talking about uh, Darrell Williams, and I get it, but if we're just making like concentrated bets, I'd kind of rather just make the bet that like CH in this build turns into their full blown bell cow, you know, for the playoffs. I think it's kind of the bet I'd want to make. It has been like a 50 50 split for Darrell and right. CH, which I, would, yeah, I could, I could see it. I think Pringle to me would be the move, but I, I, I do too. Yeah. Just because we have, I think it, I, I feel a little naked with Mahomes and just one pass catcher. Um, again, we're probably also making like a, a bet like this when you don't have Tyreek too, and you have, you know, Pingle where, you know, this is almost scenarios where Tyreek Hill gets hurt too, you know, and, and Pringle becomes that main wide receiver. Oof, what a world that would be. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I do think Garoppolo is kind of the perfect uh, wild card quarterback to basically we play this as Garoppolo and Kittle have a huge wild card game and and help us advance. And then and then we have kind of our Green Bay and Los Angeles Ram bets and we're OK. We want those guys in the NFC championship and then we want Chiefs to play one of them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely get, there's definitely some layers of thought that I have to go into this. If you are playing on, on underdog and probably helpful to keep a sample playoff bracket near you, if you're trying to figure out these things that Pete, you seem to have eternalized with your beautiful mind from all of this, but I, I, agree with I, I do not feel like a thought leader on these playoffs currently. Like I, I, I don't, I think there's way more stuff in the weeds where knowing what are the likely matchups and like what side of the brackets guys could be on that. I haven't fully thought through. Um, but I do think in general, if you're just doing drafts it to make sure that you're correlating and making bets on teams as much as possible. And I think our, cause we did a four, two, 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 which probably isn't ideal. Like in a perfect world, I think I'd rather be four, three, three. Um, mm-hmm. but I do think that kind of that, path that we outlined could definitely take place does the gauntlet look like it's going to fill before week 18 or is it something that people can maybe ride it out to the last minute and try to jam in a bunch in that last week they made this one pretty big um so i mean 3800 entries and mm. we still have forty five thousand. so my guess is this will this will uh take a while to fill 
Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, just to try to give the plus EV approach for this for people out there trying to play, like it's going to be fun to put in lineups now, but if you can hold a little bit more and try to get as close as you can to the tournament filling and getting a little more info over week, you know, 16, 17, maybe even 18, I think that's going to be the most you know positive revenue move. But um, it's, it's like a fun machination. If you are dead in the water with all the other lineups and you're just tired of NFL DFS, like I think putting in some underdog basketball lineups seems like a good move. And I will say this happens to me with everything. It was like best ball, you know, around May last year, right before the draft. And it was like, oh, I'm not hooked. I'm not hooked. And then you do like three or four and then it just, it just hits you. And uh, I, I'm not at that point where I'm hooked. And I know in about two to three days, I'm going to be hooked and <laughs> doing these nonstop. Yeah. And I think too, it's, it's worth noting, like, don't, I would say don't get hooked too early, especially if it's one that's not going to fill because not for you, like you can do it. Cause it's, you know, for you, it's a, it's a write-off for Pete, for you guys out there with your hard earned money, I would say, you know, wait as long as you can. And then, and then binge like for a day or two of doing this, I think would be the move well, that I would try to make. And I would say if you are doing them now, I think, and I've heard, you know, Justin Herzig uh, talk about this and he's really good at these. I mean, he's looking for which teams are mispriced ADP wise relative mm -hmm. to their expectation to make a run. And then you're basically trying to get those studs really cheap. So, you know, the chargers may be an example, like, you know, their odds have been coming up, but Mike Williams for a while, I think was going really late in these. Uh, but you're obviously trying to get as many studs on teams who make deep runs in some of these playoff teams who are on the bubble right now, like say the, the Ravens, you know, their 54% chance to make it. Maybe you build some, you know, Lamar, Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, where you're getting all the studs, but really cheap. I think that's how you play it if you're trying to draft early. And then when you're drafting late, once the playoff picture comes into mind or into focus, then then you can start to really kind of plot out specific avenues, I think, as far as matchups. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Like right now, you're probably getting a Justin Herbert full stack cheaper than you would be otherwise. Or like or if, you know, people knew they were going to be in the playoffs. And um, yeah, I think, yeah, that's the thing. If you're making lineups now, probably getting those those full stacks that could increase in value. Uh, seems like a logical move. I just feel like I would wait for more information if you know. Because like the puppies and whatever, and those ones that fill early where everybody's on the same playing field, like I think those are fine to just jam them in early because nobody's going to know a lot more than you in that process. But I feel like for a playoff one where if there are people drafting in week 18 and you're drafting in week 16, you got to have like a real specific angle. Yeah, no, I agree. So interesting stuff over there. And use promo code Pete over at Underdog if you want some deposit match and all those good things. Pete, what's your show schedule looking like here? I feel like it must be really changing by the day. Um, I'm not doing much different. I, um, okay. I'm going to do my showdown cram for the, the main Monday night football game tonight. So I'll be live around seven 40 for that bears Vikings game. I am going to do an underdog strategy show tomorrow afternoon. I believe I have that scheduled for 3 PM. Uh, I don't think I'm doing a showdown cram tomorrow night. Um, I think I'll probably just take the crams off and uh, be on, on my regular schedule. Otherwise just do a two game cram. No big deal. Two game NFL DFA slate. What's better than that? Well, the issue is I'm uh Oh, both those games start at the same time, right? Yeah. They're both seven. Okay. Yeah. All right. Whatever. We'll, we'll check it out. We'll think about it. <laughs> so, well, subscribe to Pete's channel. And that way you'll know either way, make sure you subscribe to the splash play channel as well. Uh, so you can see all the glorious episodes we've done since the show's existence over there. Make sure to follow at Peter Rovers at follow at Chris Fags and follow at splash play pod. We got one more show coming up this week on Thursday, two 30 Eastern uh, Pete. I don't know what we're going to have planned for that show, but I, we're going to talk about everything and probably be completely wrong about everything as guys get ruled out the second the show's over. 
That's how it goes. That's what we do around here. You're the beast here. So hang with us. Um, If you're gone for the week, enjoy your holidays and we'll see you guys again soon. Bye. 